Game Changer, Episode 4, featuring author and professor Carl Kopp. Welcome to Game Changer, a series on using gamification to engage employees. Join us as industry experts discuss one of the hottest trends in business today. Using game thinking to engage employees in work, wellness, recruiting, and more. This is a special podcast series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, The Engaging Leader. And now, with nearly 20 years of experience helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees at Fortune 500 companies and other organizations, here's your host, Jesse Leahy. Welcome to the show, Game Changers. This is the show for CEOs, HR executives, and other business leaders to learn about internal gamification. Over the course of this series, you'll hear examples and pitfalls, discover how to assess when it's an appropriate strategy, and learn to evaluate gamification partners and game design ideas. I am Jesse Leahy, and our guest today is Carl Kopp. Carl is professor of instructional technology at Bloomsburg University and author of five books on the convergence of learning and technology, including The Gamification of Learning and Instruction. And Carl is currently working on a field book about the gamification of learning and instruction, which will be published in early 2014. Carl, welcome to Game Changer. Jesse, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Carl, what's your personal history about how you came to be involved in gamification? I first became involved in gamification really through, I have two sons who are avid gamers and are always playing games. And I'm a professor of instructional technology and clients and students are saying, you know, this e-learning, this online instruction is interesting, but it's not that exciting. It's, it's not really as engaging as maybe it could be. But I saw how engaged my kids were in the games and thought, boy, is there some elements maybe from a game that we could put into a learning setting or a performance setting that would really help people become more engaged. And I struggled with articulating those ideas and trying to get that information across. And then one day on the internet, I came across the word gamification. I said, ah, that's it. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take elements of games and put them into other situations, not really create an entire game, but create, take the best of games and put them in different performance situations, learning situations, employee engagement situations. And that's really how I became involved, really kind of in the late 90s, early 2000s, through the idea of video games and what my kids were doing and trying to make, if you call it regular learning, regular e-learning, a little bit more exciting. You were one of the first people to actually come out with a book on the topic. And so you've spent longer than most in thinking about what gamification is. And you sort of defined it there, but if you had to put it into a sentence or two, how would you define gamification? I originally defined gamification as as using game-based mechanics, aesthetics, and game thinking to engage people, motivate action, promote learning, and solve problems. And as I've been thinking about and writing about gamification more and more, I really think there are two types of gamification. One I call structural gamification. And structural gamification is adding a game structure around content, around activities. So 
in a learning perspective, you would answer this question and get five points. And then you'd move to the next level once you answered 10 questions. Or in employee engagement, you would uh, do healthcare. And if you went to see the doctor, you get so many points. If you read a thing on diabetes, you get so many points. So in structural gamification, you're not changing the content or the engagement at all. You're just adding game elements to it. That's the points, badges, leaderboard type of thing. In content gamification, you actually change the content to be more game-like. So for example, in uh, the health example, you would, instead of having people just simply go to the doctor, you would simply say, uh, you're on a mission to find out what your cholesterol is. Go find that out. And so now, now it's more of a mission focus rather than a task or an activity focus. Or content gamification and, and learning works well. Typically, we give people objectives and we tell them what they're going to learn. But you could turn that into a challenge and say, okay, for example, a lesson on embezzlement. A lot of times we give you the objectives. Today, you're going to learn about embezzlement and how to prevent it, et cetera. But imagine a training class where you came into class and it said, okay, today you're an investigator. Your boss has just been accused of embezzling $10,000. What do you do now? And so now the content is different because instead of giving you the answers, you kind of have to figure it out. So I really think gamification is evolving in two distinct but related avenues, yet there can be overlapping. But it seems like you know consumer gamification is going in one way and kind of learning and instruction gamification seems to be going a little bit in another way. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty fascinating separation there. I hadn't heard anybody put it that way before. Now, why is it important to even be thinking about gamification? I think gamification is important on several different levels. And I think we're meeting gamification because it's coming together at really kind of an opportune time. One, I think, is that especially in the learning field, but in other fields as well, Traditional applications, traditional methodologies are very boring, for lack of a better word. So if you look at your average order entry software, incredibly straightforwardly boring. Um, sometimes it's, it's difficult to find out where everything is. Even look at something like Microsoft Office or Excel. It's just kind of, you know, head down to your work. Meanwhile, in almost every other aspect of life, if you look at uh, you know, the console-based video games, PC-based video games. If you look at the iPhone or the Android operating language, those are very intuitive, very easy, and almost game-like in many aspects. And so people are saying, well, why, how come when I come to work, I can't have these game-type aspects? I can't have some of the more engaging aspects that I'm surrounded with, even the kiosk at the gas station where I order, you know, my food is more engaging than some of the learning or some of the applications that I work with. And so I think that's one key factor. The other factor that is kind of interesting is a lot of schools, maybe 10, 15 years ago, saw video games as, wow, kids love video games. School's trying to recruit kids. So they say, why don't we create a video game program and we'll graduate kids who know how to make video games. Well, that's fantastic, except that there's only so many EAs. There's only so many game development companies, and they're not really hiring all these kids. So what do they do? Well, they go into other type of software development. They go other other type of creating applications, and they bring those game sensibilities with them. So I think that is a convergence as well 
And then finally, if you look at what Apple did in several ways is they said, look, we can still have fun and still be serious. And so they took something like the iPhone and they made the phone fun and intuitive and easy to use, but seriously is a business machine with smartphone capabilities and your ability to track expenses and your ability to work on the iPhone and all that kind of stuff. So I think all those things kind of converged together and people said, look, this idea of gamification really makes sense when we look at all of these elements and then we look at the other side where employees are, are, are more disengaged than ever at work. Um, I just read something the other day about a big fast food manufacturer or restaurant and they said their service is the worst it's ever been. Mm. And so really, how do you engage these 18-year-olds who are not going to be there for the rest of their life, most of them, who are only there for the paycheck, and how do you make it more engaging for them? Well, after they go home and work at this fast food restaurant, they go play games. So why not add those elements to their work environment to make it a little bit more fun? So I think all those things have come together to make gamification very attractive. And in the e-learning field, especially we took the worst of online classroom instruction and we put it all online. <laughs> so now it's, and so now it's the boring lecture stuff only faster and more efficiently. And so we're boring people more effectively than ever. So <laughs> people are going, look, there's got to be a better way. And I think gamification is that way. You mentioned young people. You mentioned students. You mentioned 18-year-olds. Is gamification primarily useful just with the younger generation or is there a broader application when you think about work and employee engagement? That's really a, a good question. And we tend to think about gamers as, as being young. Of course, we know the average age of a person who plays games you know, is in their late 30s and actually getting older all the time. The fastest demographic is uh, women over the age of 40 playing games. So actually gamification works if done correctly, just like anything else, uh, it works at almost every single level. So if you look at, um, you know, a classic example of gamification is the loyalty programs. Most people in frequent flyer loyalty programs are, you know, older folks who have to fly for business and they're very engaged in that process. Everyone being a human likes certain things like humans like challenge. You know, not too hard, not too easy, but we do enjoy a good challenge. Humans like to have answers. We want things solved for us. So if we give somebody an open-ended question, uh, they want to try to work toward that answer. People like social rewards. So if you can give people social recognition, they really like and enjoy that. So all of the elements of gamification together really tap into basic human needs, instincts, socialization patterns. So regardless of your age, you're going to want to buy into it. Now, having said that, there are people that don't like amusement parks. There are people that don't like getting into a car, getting into an airplane. So everyone's not going to magically fall in love with gamification and go, oh my gosh, this is great. I love it. But it will engage a large number of people to a large degree, regardless of their age and regardless of their even their position. I mean, if you think about gamification, I always say if you, if you look at life and death situations, we always gamify those. So probably the biggest life and death situation is fighting wars, war fighters. Well, 
they have war games and they're very realistic situations. And you get points for taking out the enemy and there's the blue and there's the red. And you look at medical, you have these medical dummies and you get points if you do the code correctly, if you do it according to standards. So why do we only do this in life and death? Now the technology is available that we can do it for sales process or negotiation process or performance review. So all those people, all those situations are people at varying ages. So everyone, I think, can be engaged in the gamification process given a well-designed process. Now, as you're designing the process, what are some considerations that you'd want to keep in mind? For example, I'm, I'm wondering, we've been talking about age. Are there things that you need to do to make sure that you're appealing to the right ages or perhaps gender differences, especially in the, in the world of employee engagement where a lot of times the employee may not have a choice. If you create a program that, and this is the only uh, option for doing that program, then th- this is what they have to use. It's not like out in, in the marketing world of gamification where if somebody doesn't like your game, they just go to a different company. Right, right, exactly. So there's a couple things to keep in mind. The first thing I always say is, what is the business need driving gamification? Oftentimes, or occasionally, I'll run into a situation where somebody says, well, you know, I heard about this thing he called gamification. Sounds real cool. We need to do it. <laughs> I say, oh, okay, that sounds nice, but what goal are you trying to accomplish? So the first thing is, make sure that gamification ties into a goal that is worthy of accomplishment and that people know has to be accomplished. Second is, make sure that the gamification ties into the process. So, so artificially adding points just for answering a question or something like that doesn't make as much sense as points moving you toward new knowledge or points being part of the process. So it's, I think the context works well. So if you just say, hey, answer 10 questions and get points, yeah, that gets boring after a while. But if you say, look, we're trying to make you a healthier employee, for example, and we're going to check your health knowledge by assessing how many points. And at this level, if you have this many points, here's your knowledge of your own health. Here's your ranking against other people. And notice you need to learn a little bit more about your health to be more up to the average. So I think a huge thing about gamification is the context of the gamification. I always tell the story. If you look at Nike Plus, it was kind of held up as the model of gamification. You could run and you get points and you could get levels and you had a little, even a mini character. But after a while of running with Nike Plus, I, I got bored with it. Now, it doesn't mean I, I still don't run. I run, but now I found another application called Zombies Run. And Zombies Run does the same yeah. things, keep track of my points and how much I run and all that kind of stuff. But it's in the context of a story. So I wake up, I'm runner number five, I'm going out to get supplies in a zombie-infested post-apocalyptic world, (laughs) and it's much more fun. It's much more engaging because it's the right context. So one, we have to know what the business need is. Two, we have to present it in the right context. And three, we have to know what appeals to different people. So socialization will appeal to some people. So you want to get them involved. There's some fascinating research done uh, with World of Warcraft. And they looked in World of Warcraft and they said, you know, there's some people that go in here and they don't do any quests. They're in a group, but they're not trying to get any progress toward the game. What is this? 
And I found out that many people went in there to socialize and just to meet other people. And so that's part of gamification. So you need to, when you design it, look at people that will want to get all the points possible. You'll see people that will be engaged in the story. You'll see people that will be engaged in the socialization. You'll see people that will be engaged uh, just in the content itself. So when you design it, you need to carefully design it so that one of those things doesn't overwhelm the other. And what happens a lot of times is the obtainment of points overwhelms every other goal. So you have to balance attainment with points with mastery of content or with social interaction or with context so that you're moving up in a balanced way and one or two people just aren't blasting through the con. You know, give somebody a game and I'll find a cheater right away, right? People are right. always going to try to cheat on games and always trying to exploit the weaknesses. So you as the designer of gamification or somebody talking to a gamification vendor really needs to think about, well, what are the multiple measurements, multiple goals we want? You know, if you look in a manufacturing plant, for example, you have quotas, right? Well, people can meet quotas by just making a whole bunch of product, but it might be kind of bad product. So it's not just how many pieces, but it's how many good pieces you create, how much scrap you avoid how well it fits into the upstream process. So now I can't just worry about speed. I've got to worry about quality and I've got to worry about fitting the form. And so all of those things together are what make for a good gamification and engage people at multiple levels. You mentioned a few, let's call them pitfalls, such as people trying to game the system. Are there other pitfalls that or even maybe a dark side to gamification that companies should be aware of before they go down that path? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, almost with anything, there is the good and the evil, I guess. I always give the example, when my kids were younger, we always used to have a star chart. And so the star chart is if you do your chores, you're going to get a star. So the first day of the star chart, I thought I had found the miracle of parenthood. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is amazing. You know, Nate, go brush your teeth, man. He's upstairs brushing his teeth. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. How come nobody ever told me about this? About a week later, you know, hey, Nate, go brush your teeth. But Nate, you won't get a star. I don't care. <laughs> well, Nate, brush your teeth. Now I want two stars, you know, and it keeps upping and upping. Mm. Finally, now I have to give him a candy bar so he'll go brush his teeth, you know, totally defeating the, <laughs> yeah. the whole purpose. Brush your teeth and I'll so, give you a candy bar. That's great. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So if you just focus on rewards, you run into the problem of, okay, this reward uh, no longer has as much value. You have to keep amping up the reward. So you can't make it totally focused on just gaining rewards. That's uh, something that is a downfall. You also have to make sure that as you're doing it, I said you need multiple measures of success so that somebody doesn't focus just on, on one success. The other thing is if somebody's doing something that they're already really interested in or passionate about, that's probably not a good area for gamification. They're already internally motivated to do what they're doing. And so uh, adding gamification on top of that is not a smart thing to do either. And then finally, I wouldn't add gamification, you know, and you kind of brought it up, just because I have a quote-unquote young audience. doesn't mean they're necessarily going to like gamification. And I also think that, that, that when we think about gamification, again, the, the points, the leaderboard, the badges, 
that tends to be the focus on a lot of gamification efforts. And the irony to me is I've never played a game just for points. I've never played a game just to be on a leaderboard. I play because game is interesting or it's challenging or there's something that I want to see if I can accomplish. It's a sense of mastery. So when we look at creating gamification, in order to avoid some of the negative aspects, we should focus on how can I make this person doing this job feel they've gained mastery of what they're doing? How can I make them feel part of a larger context? How can I give them corrective feedback as they're engaging in this process so I get to the behavior that is best for both of us? So one of the things that you can do to kind of avoid the pitfalls is focus on the positive and not focus on what I think are, are kind of peripheral a little bit, you know, the badges and those types of things. The other thing I want to point out is a lot of people are really, really anti-gamification because of the intrinsic versus extrinsic discussion. People say, look, people don't want to do things externally motivating them. You're, you're manipulating them. We want to focus all on internal motivation, intrinsic. But it actually turns out, if you look at the research carefully, Intrinsic and extrinsic motivation are not polar opposites. In fact, some of the instruments used in early research to measure intrinsic and extrinsic motivation made them a dichotomy. You couldn't be internally and externally motivated at the same time. You had to be one or the other. And the truth of the matter is people are both intrinsically and extrinsically motivated at the same time to different degrees. So, for example, let's say somebody wants to become Cisco certified, and they want to become certified because they're going to get a raise at work. That's external motivation. But they also might want to be certified because they want to have a sense of knowledge and mastery over the content. So that's internally motivated. Both of them can exist at the same time. So as you're developing your program, keep in mind balancing the intrinsic and the extrinsic motivation and making sure that when you put things together that they work in harmony, that you're not just arbitrarily giving badges for you know, showing up to work. You really want to motivate somebody through, you know, here are some challenges that you want to accomplish. And by doing that, you'll become really well known in this area. And then maybe people in the company would seek you for knowledge or information. Or you can become an expert in our product as, as a customer doing kind of external gamification. And then we'll send other people to you for questions. So now you're an expert in this particular area. Those are the kind of things that, that you need to think through for gamification rather than just points, badges, or leaderboards. They, they, they play a role, but those are where I think people tend to go down, if we will, kind of the dark path, too far down that path. You know, I think Gartner said, you know, Gardner's always coming out with some kind of salacious quote, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so many percentage of uh, gamification projects are going to fail. And somebody at one time said, well, what do you think about that quote? And I said, that's absolutely right. A uh, large percentage are going to fail because they're going to be focused in the wrong area and they're going to view this as a magic bullet. And it, it's not. It takes a lot of work. It takes thoughtful, purposeful design, uh, but it can be very successful when done well. It just is a miserable failure when it's done poorly. Just a quick pause from this interview with Carl Kopp to tell listeners about a game we're playing to have some fun throughout this series. 
First, we are giving away a copy of Carl's book, The Gamification of Learning and Instruction. To enter to win the book, simply send me an email at jesse at engagingleader.com mentioning the episode number four, this episode's clue, which is the letter N as in Neptune, and whether you'd prefer hard copy or a Kindle ebook if you win. We'll pick a winner at random from the first 50 emails we receive. Also, there will be other tasks and clues in each of the first 14 episodes in the Game Changer series, as well as in Engaging Leader Podcast episode 38, featuring Kevin Werbach. From those 15 clues, if you can be the first person to guess the secret phrase, you will win a $100 gift card from Amazon. And everyone who guesses it correctly will be honored on our Game Changer Genius Board. As soon as you think you know the secret phrase, email it to me. Those three components, points, badges, and leaderboards, those are often the first things that companies think of when they think about how to gamify a certain process, which tends to put the emphasis on competition, which is one benefit of gamification is it appeals to the natural motivation that a lot of people have around competition. It's often fun and it's a, it's just it's one source of intrinsic motivation. I get to compete, I get to do better than others. But that's not the only benefit of gamification. What are some of the other reasons that gamification works? Competition works to a certain degree. So for example, you know, I like to run, you like to run, like to mm-hmm. be physical. And I like to compete with my friends. But if you put me on a leaderboard with Hussein Bolt, um, (laughs) I wouldn't even want to compete. What would be the point? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that that works well in gamification is is kind of the socialization aspect. But if you put me on a leaderboard with the friends that I run, you know, for a 5K or whatever, and I can see, oh, you're slightly ahead of me or I'm slightly behind and, and, uh oh, somebody's right on my heels, then I'm motivated because – I know I can achieve that challenge, or there's a chance I can achieve that challenge. That's kind of an interesting mix of both socialization as well as competition. So those things work well together. Um, Another reason why gamification works well is, as I mentioned before, humans like challenges. We like to see, oh, can we do that? Can we overcome that? Are we that smart? Are we that clever? Or how clever are we versus you know, other people or versus my peer group. So people like to be involved in answering questions and and going through that. And if you think of it, even on the simple level, look at a game like Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy. People watch those shows because they play along all the time. Can I beat the contestant? Am I smarter than them? Am I more clever? Can I make that challenge? So people like to be presented with and overcome challenges that they feel that they can do. They also like the social recognition. Most people in an organization will say, oh, well, if you have any questions about billing, you know, Jane is the person to talk to. And that gives Jane a feeling of reputational capital. She is valued for what she knows and for what she, she does. People also tend to be natural collectors. So uh, badges work well and tap into that because we like to collect things. We like to have things. We like to, um, hey, look how many I have. Oh, you have this. Well, where'd you get that? So people really like to do that. Again, there's even shows on television about collecting. So gamification isn't tapping into some you know, giant mystery thing. These are things that are all around us. Uh, if we look at television, they have all, it has a lot of these elements. 
of gamification. Gamification just kind of puts them together in one package. The other thing people like is they like a sense of progress. Gamification does a really good job of giving you a sense of movement, of progress, of working toward a goal. So that's a really good thing to have in there because people like that. And points can help you do that because you know, you know, if you get X number of points, you move to this level and there's five levels and you only have two more levels to go. So it gives you that sense of, of moving forward. The other thing that points can do in a positive way is points can give you feedback on your level of performance. So let's say that you're answering questions or doing a task from a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, one being the lowest. I score a five, I know I'm kind of in the middle. I know there's opportunity for me to do better. If I score a one, I know I did lousy, I've got to go back. If I score like an eight or nine, then I'm comfortable with, okay, I'm almost toward perfection. I might want to try to get perfection or I might think that that's okay in this particular task. But points give me feedback on my level of competence. So that can be a very motivating aspect as well. So all of those things together can really help people be engaged. So it's the competition, but also it's also cooperation and to, to, in terms of social awareness. And it goes back to some of the elements in the self-determination theory, which is a theory of intrinsic motivation. One of those things is relatedness, you know, knowing other people. One of those things is, is really being able to be competent in what you're doing. And people enjoy being competent and people will in their lives pick out certain areas to be competent in on purpose so that they have an area of expertise or an area of knowledge. And um, gamification can be an outlet for that, especially in the area of you know uh, work, your work life. So competence is very important. The social relatedness is important. And then autonomy. Uh, autonomy basically says, you know, I am not controlled by anybody else. I can do what I want to do. And if you take gamification and say, look, if you do this and this, you get this goal. You do this and this, you can get this other goal. It's up to you. Wow, that's great. Now you're giving people choices and people can decide how much effort or decide how much they want to do towards something. So all of those things kind of feed the the fascination, the, the, the natural human tendency toward gamification. I mean, we've been trying to gamify everything. So, for example, you know, running is a natural human thing, right? right. But we've gamified it saying, I can beat you to the finish line. I can do that faster yeah. than you. So even something as natural as running, we've, we've gamified over the centuries. Carl, you talk about all these different benefits from gamification and the different elements such as uh, points and badges and structural gamification versus content gamification. But how do you bring them all together to make sure that the process that you are attempting to gamify is actually effective? Yeah, that's, that's a, a really good question. I, and I get asked that question a lot. And um you know, if you had a couple of days, I could probably <laughs> answer it concisely. Um, and so that was one of the, the issues with the first book that I wrote on gamification. A lot of people said, great content, love it. But, you know, like, how do we actually implement this? So uh, the publishers actually asked me to put together a, a field book called the, the Field Book for the Gamification of Learning Instruction. And that's where we're putting all this together. We're, lo- we're looking at in that book, you know, how do you design um, – for 
reaching outcomes. And we have some worksheets in there that ask a bunch of questions. What's your business outcome? Um, what are you trying to accomplish? What tasks do the uh, people need to do in order to accomplish this? Um, so we break apart, first of all, the need, and that's what you would need to do. And then second of all, in the book, we give uh, ideas for brainstorming. Uh, that becomes an issue sometimes. Well, well, how do we do this? Because I think people go to points, badges, and leaderboard because they're the easiest thing to kind of implement or think about. Um, but there's other things to think about, like, as we said before, transparent feedback, uh, looking at mastery, looking at competence. So the book talks about, you know, how do you do that? The book talks about then how do you, how would you design those things? And we also look at, oftentimes people kind of confuse or aren't clear about games versus learning games or, or uh, instructional games versus gamification versus creating a simulation. So we break all three of those down. Here, here's what's in a game and, and what a game is. Here's structural gamification and content gamification and, and kind of how to think about that. And then here's simulations and what you would do in terms of a simulation. So we kind of look at all of those together. And, and by by understanding and knowing that and by understanding what your goals are that you're trying to accomplish, that's how you can intelligently gamify a process, procedure, learning event, internal customer experiences, external customer experiences, and, and be smart about that. And so, so that's what we really talk about in that particular book. Oh, fantastic. Well, we will look forward to that field book coming out in early 2014. In the meantime, Carl, where can people find out more about you and your work? Okay, so um, I have a website, uh, carlkopp.com. Uh, K-A-R-L-K-A-P-P.com is a good place to start. And I have a blog called Cop Notes. Uh, if you just Google Cop Notes, I try to write all uh, several times a week about the concepts of games and gamification. And I do a lot of work on SlideShare, too. So I have a bunch of presentations up there. And I'm on Twitter, um, K-K-A-P-P, so people can see me on Twitter as well. And uh, love to engage in conversations and help people figure out you know, what's the best way for gamification. The exciting thing to me is it's a relatively new field, uh, even though the components, I believe, are, you know, decades, centuries old, but they're put together in kind of a new and exciting way. So it's a lot of fun to see how this can fit together and work through the problems. You know, I do a lot of research on games, and there's been a, a growing research on the effectiveness of games for learning, but gamification is so new, there's not a ton of research out there. So uh, lots of opportunities to figure out you know, what is the best way to do it? Right now, it's kind of a craft, uh, but it's being more and more informed by research. And so uh, I think that's really exciting. We'll, we'll know very shortly, empirically, what works and what doesn't. Carl Kopp is Professor of Instructional Technology at Bloomsburg University. Carl, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jesse. Had a great time. And we'll provide the contact information and links that Carl mentioned in our show notes, which you can find at engagingleader.com forward slash GC4, as in Game Changer Episode 4. That wraps up today's show, my friends. Don't miss our next episode of Game Changer, when we'll feature the founder and CEO of Zao, a gamification-based recruiting solution. If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the weekly leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share more ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Until next time, remember, life is short, so keep it fun. 
You can find both Game Changer and Engaging Leader podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at engagingleader.com. To stay up on the latest news and trends in internal gamification, join the Game Changer group on LinkedIn. We'll automatically direct you to our LinkedIn group when you go to engagingleader.com group. Subscribe to our e-digest at engagingleader.com newsletter. When you do, we'll send you a free copy of Jesse's ebook, Eight Communication Tools for Leaders. You can also follow Jesse on Twitter, at Jesse Leahy, and like us at facebook.com slash engagingleader. Game Changer is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm that helps mid-sized and large employers attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, and Peter McIsaac, who composed our theme music. 